Dearest R, I hope this missive finds you well. I know it has been some time since our last acquaintance, but I am hoping that you can assist me with a sensitive issue. For a time now, it has become apparent that our master is waning in his affections towards me. Something has been occupying his time and attention, from which I can no longer distract him. As someone who is able to exist inside and out of Amphacus, you are in a unique position to help me. I can assure you that you will be well compensated for your efforts in many ways. I am in need of a savior, and I can think of no one more suited to the task. Yours in anticipation, A. Most magnificent A. I do not have the words to express my appreciation, your attention. If there is anything a humble innkeeper can do to assist the chosen of a god in this world, I cannot for the life of me imagine what it would be. If it is in my power, I will of course provide assistance, as long as I can be assured of escaping any negative attention from your master. You must understand that we all operate under his good graces, and even though the Shishreb and I are business partners, they serve at his will and so do I. I hope you understand my trepidation. The last thing I would want to do is let you down. If I have your assurance in this, I give you my word and my pledge of undying support to your cause. Your hopeful assistant, R. My most dear friend, R. I appreciate your pragmatism and loyalty. I can assure you that the lord of this land has no care for any of my plans these days. He is so preoccupied with his growing paranoia he won't even receive tribute from his pet priests. I fear when he next turns his attention to me it might be to remove me like his previous companion. And be assured, your safety is all but guaranteed. As I stated, my master no longer receives his tribute so I have been helping myself to the most useful items and disposing of the trinkets in a way that mimics his disapproval. Luckily, the Shrebs keep massive stores of acid on hand, so they don't miss it when little comes up missing. I am willing to part with a lion's share of this wealth for safe passage to the north. I can assure you this will dwarf the amount of coin you've been skimming from the Shrebs. Awaiting an answer. Yours in desperation, A. My radiant associate, A, I am shocked to hear of your situation, and quite sad to picture someone of your exquisite presence in pain. I cannot imagine the Great Father treating you thus. But if this is true, uh, perhaps I can be of some assistance. Uh, as you have previously stated, I do have the ability to cross from outside to Amthodkis and back, uh, which my family has cultivated for decades. Not to sound mercenary, but to risk that relationship would take the commitment of a, a great amount of capital. I am prepared to move forward if an assurance can be made of your contribution. I hate to sound so coldly crass, but you must understand, I have to consider my family's legacy and safety. Respectfully, R. R. Accompanying this message is a sample of my current holdings, an item culled from the ruins of a certain lich's tower. I trust this small token is enough to secure your help. A. My most glorious friend. A. I will arrive as soon as my horse is shod and ready to ride. Your humble savior. R. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is episode 52. <laughs> yeah. Big 52. Big 52, you're right. Yes. Uh, we have everyone here today. Scott, 
How are you doing? I'm doing great. I don't have COVID, so that's exciting and uh, new. Yay. Less coughs I have to add it out. <laughs> Kevin, how are you doing, man? I'm uh, getting my getting through my day. That's <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's not a work day, so that's really what matters. Yeah. yeah. You really feel the energy in the room so far, huh, Pat? <laughs> I, I can. I always yeah. can. It's all right. We have it when we need it. Rick, how you doing? I am currently recovering from COVID, but I am not contagious. So there's that. All right. But my voice will be off and I will be coughing somewhat furiously from time to time. Okay. So. All righty. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work with it as best we can. <sighs> mute, mute is your friend. Yeah, that's yep. good. Yep. <laughs> MJ, how's it going? Well, I'm not ill, but I am ill and disheartened at the state of this country. <laughs> So you're you're yes. not when you say when you say ill. I'm it, based on the context. I'm assuming you don't mean ill like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that I'm ill in that way. <laughs> yes, doesn't need to be stated. We are all we are all yeah. familiar with your ill behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, as always, the world is on fire, yes. and we uh, retreat into imaginary hellscapes to avoid that. And boy, what an appropriate beginning for this one because you guys are in a particularly nasty place at the moment <laughs> I, this is obviously inspired by my love of horror and horror films i know it's not everybody's cup of tea but what's your opinions on the old uh, on the old scary i'll flicks? get started here with a dissenting opinion that i think that the real world is scary enough as it is <laughs> so i go for the comedies yeah. Kevin <laughs> took my answer. I don't mind a non-comedy in a, or a serious drama or something like that. But horror, I, I no, I gotcha. I just read the news. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to my brother who lives in Florida. You know, there, there you go. I got it. <laughs> Strangely enough, playing horror games, totally cool. Watching horror mm -hmm. movies, I'll pass. Uh, it's not a dissenting opinion. MJ. I grew up on horror flicks uh, because m my best friend growing up was really into them. I appreciate the fact that nowadays there seem, and maybe I didn't notice it when I was younger, but there seem to be more horror flicks that make a statement about uh, society and culture. And I, I guess I appreciate those ones more than just yeah, the blood and gore. Yeah, and I think a lot of the best ones do on some level because horror is ultimately just a look inward. You know, fear is based on primal stuff and, you know, the fears that come with modern life. So a lot of horror movies make a statement to kind of a, a frame the horror and, and make it something we can feel, um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, they do that completely accidentally. I like most of every category, I, you know, I'm not a big torture porn guy. I think that's kind of where I draw the line. I, I don't get how that's entertainment, but I like a good old creep me atmospheric hammer horror kind of uh, atmosphere, which is I, I feel like that's kind of what I'm putting out there right now. Kind of your classic gothic horror. So um, hope you enjoy it. Kind of recap where we are. Our heroes left the breadbasket with some borrowed cash, and you traveled to the inaccurately named village of Six Corners. Uh, you stabled your mounts and then walked on the forlorn path, a miserable road going south towards the cobalt swamps of Emthodgis, where you are presumably looking to talk to some giant slime or something. I think it begins on your journey raining on and off, mostly on until you finally reach the booms and Inn, which was your 
location of choice. Uh, you were met this wonderful creepy inn by the loquacious Helga Ruger and her horribly abused goblin porters. There you guys gave your legends, uh, read fake identities. Uh, Nolan, I believe you announced yourself as Flink, which uh, we are reasonably sure is your real name at this point. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Tiernan, uh, I believe you were now is it Keith with a TH or Keith with an F? I, I, I don't I I'm not sure because I didn't come up with it. <laughs> I know. You know and, and, and actually Pat, you came up with it because somebody called Kiernan Keith for Keith at some point. And so oh, that's you're what right. I, you're I right. wrote at uh, in my notes for that thing, I wrote down everybody's fake name because I was gonna use them again and 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 then I lost the thing and Keith is the only one that I can remember. Indeed. I, th- in that case, it was Keith. Now I'm remembering now. <laughs> and yes, so Zika is Zena, and I believe that's another. Uh, yes, I think these are all yeah. muddled memories of Drell Sabolis. <laughs> okay, I get it now. And uh, Morple, of course, is Morple. <laughs> yeah, it's. But he would probably uh, rather be known right now, uh, at least uh, you know, by you all as Dark Morple. Dark Morple. <laughs> As he is trying to be, he's trying to be dark, even though he has no reason to, uh, because you said he was there because of his scholarly knowledge, but he's still acting like a badass mercenary all the same. And of course, you were all employed by Razor, also known as Dar Ironhammer, which I believe Ironhammer is correct. I know we were all all over the place with that name, but it is Ironhammer, correct? That is correct. Okay. And he is a huge asshole who has the habit of mending any disheveled or broken item or article of clothing you come in contact with purely because you don't like to be touched by broken things. More or less. It's, it's beneath me to be around such disarray. <laughs> uh, yeah. So after turning down Helga's offer to play you some music, you turned in. Some of you took the opportunity to uh, look around your rooms and find some cleverly placed creaky spots in the floor. And Razor, you did that, of course, as well. You mended your floor, of course, because you're all about the mending these days. And then you were woken up in the middle of the night uh, by a strange moving blob of what appeared to be blood that uh, moved across your hand and sank into the floor, leaving no physical trail. And then you heard a whisper in the night saying, sleep with one eye open. You cannot trust them. I'm going to pick up briefly there. I just want to know what your immediate response to that is. (sighs) What the fuck? (laughs) I mean, just, you know, if you wait a minute, nothing else happens. You go back to sleep is a perfectly acceptable answer. But I just, well, he's debating whether or not to wake up his friend. Yeah. Yeah. He probably will wait a minute, shrug it off as a dream and go back to sleep. Yeah. And that's what it feels like, because it all happens in that moment where you wake up and that's, you know, where the best nightmares live. And there's literally no evidence. It doesn't leave anything behind. You don't see anything, don't feel anything. Your hand, uh, you remember feeling the warmth on it, but like no liquid or anything was left behind, which is not how blood works. So brushing it off as a dream, you go back to sleep and you will all will awake the next morning. And I'll give you just a little bit of a... uh, kind of breakdown of where you are in the inn, because I didn't really describe exactly how that part of it is set up. But on the uh, the second story, basically, as you come into the inn, there is a staircase almost immediately to your left. As you go into the tavern, you went upstairs, 
to a floor that's pretty much just guest rooms. Now, there are three stories to the place, but the second story seems to be where a majority of the guest rooms. Now, you are all basically given your own room. I would imagine you guys are probably trying to stay somewhat close together. I would think so, yeah. 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 You all would be on kind of the left-hand side of the building. In the very, very back is a large single room that Razor in. It has a fireplace that's connected to the massive chimney. And then there are two rooms that adjoin it on the other side. There are no uh, adjoining doors or anything, but, you know, there's two single rooms. Morple will offer to stay with you, Nolan, as he is your squire. Yeah, that works just fine. Okay. I will not use the term speed bump with him, but yeah, that's fine. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, there is a as a double room that's close to there as well. And the rooms all are around a l- large balcony that about maybe a third of this floor is kind of open that opens up down to the tavern. So you can kind of stand around and look down at the tavern, which the tavern itself makes up a majority of the first floor. There's a, a massive fireplace in the center of the back. There's tables around there, and there's this what, of course, was once nice furniture will probably be nice again when uh, Lord Ironhammer encounters it. But it is the next morning. So presumably you would be, you know, going down into the tavern for breakfast. So we will join you in there unless there's something that you wanted to do before you all went downstairs. I got nothing. So uh, I'll tarry until I hear the other people uh, or I'll like open the door, but I'll loiter, you know, so we all go down. Yeah, okay. I'll tarry too for noises for other people, which hopefully that will mean we all tarry and we never go downstairs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I think it's a good plan. I will be last because, you know, why should yeah. the Lord show up first? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I assume we all like absolutely wait for him. Okay. And we just right. stand around awkwardly outside his okay. room, creaking the boards so that <laughs> eventually he realizes we're all up and comes out. That's, that's kind of cool. how I think that goes. That's the theater that yeah, plays and, out. And you find that the boards outside of his room are extra creaky where none of <laughs> there no other boards are creaky. Um, weird. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So eventually you will all make your way down into the tavern proper. There's a roaring fire. And as you are making your way down, you will come into contact with several goblins. They, of course, all have their own individual appearances to them, but they all mostly share the same characteristics of being very skinny, underfed looking, and all have visible scars on their body at certain points of various ages. But uh, the first one you encounter as you go down the stairs is a goblin dressed up in a really disheveled maid's outfit who is uh, dusting and just kind of hanging around the rooms to basically, as you go downstairs, will, you know, freshen up your room. The one thing you notice about her is there is a giant X-shaped scar that goes over her mouth, and she does not seem to ever open her mouth or make any noise. As she sees you, she'll just kind of bow her head in deference. And the goblin you saw that appeared the least disheveled and undernourished was the porter, who uh, she referred to as Garl. And he definitely seemed older and in somewhat better better appearance than the rest of them. As a matter of fact, throughout the course of the day, you will encounter a number of these goblins. I'm going to go ahead and share a gallery with you of the goblins of the Boons End Inn. And throughout the course of the day, as you are there, you will probably encounter most of these goblins. There is, of course, Garl, 
in the center who is the porter that really should be a porter's hat, but a fez was the closest thing. So it's kind of like a fez. He is uh, wearing this uh, red velvety suit that looks better since yesterday, but even since last night, it looks like it has gotten dirty. And you will see the one next to him is uh, the one labeled maid. She has, uh, yeah, this horrible scar. There are ones that are sweeping and scrubbing and cooking and whatnot. Uh, just to give you a kind of a visual in your heads as you're seeing them, they basically all look uh, look pretty rough, but they uh, generally do not make a sound as you encounter them. But there's always at least one wherever you are doing something, either like scrubbing something or dusting something or, you know, doing some kind of perfunctory thing. So we meet you in the morning. You are taking seats in the tavern area and eventually you will be served, brought out breakfast by Garl. And next to Garl is another goblin who is wearing a chef's uniform or what is kind of like the remainder of a chef's uniform. He has a missing eye, a missing ear, and one hand with a hook. He is referred to as Cook. Here's some local fare we have grown uh, here, and eggs, ham. We have some roasted potatoes and a special jam that uh, is a specialty of the family. Please enjoy. Uh, I can bring you whatever you wish to drink. Thank you. Yeah, well, I will order some kind of ale or something because, yeah. uh, you know, that'll that'll cover up the taste of the poison. <laughs> and um, I'll do that. I think I'm going to stay away from the special jam. Okay. Um, stick to things I can identify. It's kind of a dark purplish might be. Yeah. 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 You know, we're not even going to engage with the special jam at all. All right. I'm going to stick with, OK, those appear to be some kind of root vegetable uh, that that are at least adjacent to potatoes, I'm going to eat a lot of those. And then as you guys kind of tuck in, you will begin to hear beautiful sounds of violin as coming into the room from a door to your left as you're facing out from another room is Helga Ruger. Helga is, of course, you met last night, is a older human female, very, very, very made up um, of indeterminate age, has uh, a lot, a lot of makeup and looks fresh as a daisy as she plays her violin for everyone here, playing what she would describe as a happy tune. <laughs> this is called happy tune in G minor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I will like everyone to give me a wisdom set. I had a feeling this is going to happen. <laughs> also, Pat, are there other guests here or is it just no. the staff and us? Okay. It's you and the staff. Yeah, there was no one else when you got here. Okay. Nobody else above ground. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is a feeling. You feel that this is the usual state of the place. Uh, we should, well, at least we didn't come during tourist season. So that's good. <laughs> when is that exactly? I mean, there is a war on right now. So, you know, it's probably as busy as it ever gets. But weirdly enough. When is there not a war on? Come on. Yeah. To be fair, this probably is tourist season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the ones most hiring them out don't have to go through this shit right now. So... Uh, okay, so how'd everybody do? I got a 17. I am I am terribly sorry. I asked oh. for a wisdom saving throw. It is a 
charisma savings throw. So you can go ahead and apply what you rolled, um, but uh, you know, add or subtract whatever uh, whatever you must. My apologies. It is a charisma. As a druid, I really wish it was the wisdom save. I know. I know. I like. <laughs> As a priest, I resent that too. So yeah. Oh, I just closed the thing. I got a twenty then. Okay, great. (laughs) Anybody get less than a fifteen? I got exactly a fifteen. Woo! Okay, I got sixteen. You got a sixteen? Okay, Kiernan. I got a nineteen. I I have mediocre stats, so it was the same for me, regardless. (laughs) Oh, hey, go ahead and Scott roll for Morple. Oh yeah, Morple is grooving. He got he rolled a five, so I can't imagine it's gonna be a plus ten on that. There's no way he. I doubt he. Yeah, he, he's a ranger. He does not get charisma bonus. And actually, well, this is the thing. This is what you feel when she comes downstairs. A violin music, despite the fact that it feels you know not as happy as she described she was going to be. It is. It's beautiful, and it does give you a very kind of calming, relaxed effect. If you wanted to, you could kind of surrender to this effect and just feel very calm. Morple is the sling back just like he's got his little hands folded over his chest and is just leaning back and like, dark Morple is nowhere to be seen. Mm. That music isn't just music. Something is being done. It's 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 definitely some kind of effect, but it's not controlling your mind. It is just giving you the option to surrender to a real calmness. A calmness of emotions. Well, I'll appear very calm, but it's got nothing to do with that. Yeah. And then she will cease playing. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I trust you had a uh, good sleep. Though this place has uh, seen the better days, uh, I, we do make sure that our mattresses are comfy all of the time throughout any visit. I trust you slept well. Really? That's just a comfortable mattress. No, I, I must say I did not sleep well. I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, it was it was distressing. I am terribly sorry. And she will dart eyes over to Garl with a smile. She says, make sure Maid knows what she has done. Yes, mom. And then he rushes upstairs. It will be taken care of. The last thing I want to do is make your stay an uncomfortable one, my lord. Though I do believe there is somewhat of a rumor that dwarves all sleep on stone. But uh, I am sure that is uh, a rumor. Perhaps it was the uh, softness of it that was the concerning nature. Uh, I will make sure that uh, you get a uh, firm mattress then. (laughs) Very well. And you have a pretty high bullshit meter. So you know that that was a mildly veiled dig. But, you know, she's very good. at you know, her uh, insult game. but Yeah, I don't really care about the insult. I'm more concerned that I just made trouble for Maid. <laughs> yeah, no, you certainly did. But I can't put that signal off at all, so. Exactly. Yeah, look, we're going to come back and kill all these people later, but we have a mission right now. So just grin and bear it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back and burn this place to the ground. <laughs> I have uh, taken the opportunity to have Hans prepare you a special lunch for after your meeting. Hans, Hans, come out and meet our guests. And the uh, door to the kitchen behind the bar opens and you are greeted by a sight that you, I don't know, might have expected in some way or another. But Hans makes his appearance. He is very tall, very pale, has stringy, patchy, long gray hair, but is mostly bald. 
I will once again quickly share an image of this guy for you. You will notice that his apron is not as bloody right now, but he's not carrying a giant meat cleaver uh, like he is in the picture, but he is uh, kind of dressed in very basic kind of a burlappy kind of material. He is uh, wiping his hands with a rag, and you see he has a number of scars on any exposed part of flesh, uh, but there is a massive scar going down where his left eye is that looks like at some point someone hit him real hard in the head with something. But he, uh, amazingly enough, has an eye there, so probably his giant protruding forehead saved his eye. He lurches, which is the best way to describe Hans's movements, forward and greets you all with a very enthusiastic. <sighs> this is my nephew, Hans. He is our main chef here, and he does most of the farming as well. He keeps the livestock and tends to the vegetable garden. Unfortunately, as a child, he was uh, struck mute. He, he's not right. You know, he, he's definitely giving you a, a vibe of not rightness, but he just kind of looms just kind of awaiting instruction. Fortunately, he's the only one who gives us a vibe of not right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, he's real out of place. <laughs> he gives you a, a different, you know, a menace, a menacing vibe. Uh, this is the first menacing vibe you've been, uh, you've encountered. You've encountered creepy, you've encountered pathetic, you know, this is menacing. But he's not even really doing anything or focusing his eyes in any one particular direction. Well, you might go hunts back to uh, your lunch preparations. And then he uh, stomps out of the room. Hans has had a very uh, difficult life. He uh, lost his father recently. (laughs) Recently, just kind of hung out there. Yeah. How recently? Oh, it was last winter, actually. It was... uh, Anyway, it's, it's fine. Uh, we have uh, we have all recovered. Uh, uh, you'll, uh, well, our sincere condolences on your loss. Yes. Well, um, luckily, my brother Rolf has uh, become uh, quite the rock and the man of the. And then, as she starts talking about Rolf, a door from the other side of the room opens, and a gentleman comes walking out. And as he appears, Helga just stops talking, and you see a short. Probably like, you know, a few inches shorter than Helga. Bald, you know, male pattern baldness, white hair, a bushy mustache with mutton chops. He is wearing a very fine frock coat, uh, purple vest, some striped pants. You can definitely start to sense the familial look as they all kind of have these deep set eyes and slightly protruding foreheads. Though you didn't really notice a forehead until Haas, and you're like, oh yeah, they got some forehead game, this family. And once again, I will uh, I will share briefly this picture. This is Rolf, and he uh, greets you all with a smile. Uh, sister, please, please, uh, there's no need to bore our guests with our family history. They are not here for us. They are here for what lies beyond. Am I correct? You are correct. We wish to contract some business. Yes, yes. Uh, I do believe I have the pleasure of meeting with Lord Dar Ironhammer and Retinue. Yes, uh, indeed. I see you of the forge, I assume? Yes, and we all are, whether we believe it or not. Well, yes, I do know quite well the faith of uh, the dwarves and how uh, it has uh, changed over the years. But... I uh, would be more than honored to meet with you, and I, I believe your man Flink 
seems to be the uh, head of your retinue, am I correct? Indeed. Very well. Well, I am uh, just organizing things right now, but I would like to sit uh, with you personally and we can discuss a business, as it were. In the meantime, please enjoy my sister's uh, light entertainment and perhaps she can favor you with the tale of our homeland in the Iron Mountains. Um, so the Iron Mountains is the name I gave to that huge mountain range that's to the West, which we've only ever referred to as those mountains in the West. <laughs> so I gave them a name and it's the Iron Mountains. And uh, there are mountain people who live there. They're, you know, hardy, unforgiving kind of people. It's a civilization. It's not an uncivilized place, but they are the ones who suffered most when the Var Horde started filing into Ayamora. And they've kind of been the bulwark against a greater barbarian invasion. It is not uncommon for them to be kind of driven out and sent to other places. They're not super well liked. They're very brusque and cold. But yeah, that's where these people are from. That explains their uh, mildly German slash somewhat bad Scandinavian accents. Well, uh, I have a couple of observations. One, I find it hard to believe that these people are not well-liked, but then again, I've only met a few of them. So maybe these are the creepier uh, group of people from the Iron Mountains. Two, I can't wait for open mic night. Whenever that is, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So Rolf will retire back into his office for a moment, and then Helga will take a seat next to the fire. And at that point, you notice by where she's sitting a huge portrait on the wall that you would presume is a uh, family portrait taken in happier times. And I will once again share that with you. And I'm going to find a way. I, I, I make all this uh, findable in various places where we are for people. I'll be, I mean, trying to be sharing more stuff on social media with folks so uh, they can see what's going on. But as you can see here, there is a portrait. The only two people you can somewhat recognize. So, well, I'll describe it, of course, because you're the only ones who get to see it. It is a tight family portrait. There are five figures standing before just a bold red background. There is a tall gentleman, uh, brown hair, that same kind of bushy mustache that Rolf has, uh, very finely dressed, pale flesh, not, you know, it's not a vampire or anything. I, I know. I know it's what everybody's thinking, vampires, but, you know, it's daytime. Anyway, uh, very uh, stern looking. He has that, those kind of deep set eyes. Next to him is a blonde woman, very fetching. She has a darker complexion. She does not give that kind of same Iron Mountain look as these other people. So, you know, perhaps she was from another part of the world, but uh, very beautiful, uh, probably probably significantly younger than her husband. And then there are three children in the foreground. There is a tall, dark-haired, handsome boy who kind of dominates the front of the scene. He is dressed in a frock coat that looked pretty much exactly like the frock coat that Rolf is wearing. Probably not the same exact coat, but it's a similar style because obviously he's much smaller. And to his right, you see a small boy with brown hair. You definitely can tell that this is Rolf. His hair is thin even then, but he's probably about like seven or eight in this picture. And then to his left, you see a young Helga, beautiful blonde hair, alabasterish skin. She's wearing a, a lovely you know, pink dress. Uh, you also notice that they all seem to be staring out, but not any of them really in the same direction, except maybe for the parents, which is odd for a portrait. But, you know, 
So presumably the center figure is the third sibling who Arf did name as Reinhardt, who you would probably imagine is the one who passed away. And this Hans and Gertrude presumably are his children. So yes, Helga will, uh, will take out her violin and begin to play again. You are, of course, free to converse and do what you want, but she is uh, going to favor you with another lovely tune of the Iron Mountains. And luckily, uh, you are kind of gathering the same effect that you have already you know, beaten once. So uh, you can choose, obviously, to surrender to the effect of calm emotions. What it will do is you know, it will keep you from being able to jump up and start a fight. But, you know, it feels really nice. But obviously nobody keeps me from jumping up and starting a fight. Morple is loving it. The Morple is yeah. just like, yeah, that's yeah. that's good. Well, I will converse in very vague. You know, we can just make small talk, and then I will just occasionally throw in just lines about our upcoming job. Like, oh, okay, and then uh, you know, the men will meet me. Will meet us. You know, once we're done here, and just throw in things like, hey, you know, we're set, but we won't talk about it a lot because obviously we are clear. But I just want to throw in a little bit of shop talk. So you know, not that I think anybody's listening or spying on us, but just so it seems like, hey, we've. Do need you know this thing is like assuming they can get us through uh the vault then we should be in, in great shape anyway da, 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 you know like just sprinkle the conversation with that and then like so did anyone try the special jelly you know <laughs> no and then make small talk yeah. and just sit here and just not allow my emotions to be calmed in any way <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if you, people sample the food and uh, and drink it's it's fine you know, it's it's not, you know, covered with poison or it doesn't have bugs crawling out of it or anything like that. It's not that kind of creepy. It's a pretty, pretty standard kind of uh, in affair. Mm-hmm. Those of you who have a knowledge of, you know, fruits and vegetables or nature stuff will notice this is kind of a boysenberry-ish kind of like thing. It's like it's berries. It's a berry jam, but it's, you know, it's kind of bitter, but it's not particularly flavorful. It's definitely safe to eat, but it is, it's really, unless you like kind of, you know, flavorless bitter jam. Yeah. I mean, you know, who does (laughs) flavor? It's got a berry flavor, but it's that kind of, you know, like sharp kind of hostile berry, you know, that Um, like, I don't know. I'm a big berry guy, but I, you know. Yeah. Yeah, The low end of the berry spectrum. You know, they're not, this isn't grape country. Yeah. And as your uh, breakfast is drawing to a close, a door will open from, where would that be? The kitchen entrance through the bar, and you will see a tall, striking female. And uh, I will share this last picture with you all. This is Gertrude. Gertrude is tall, stocky, very athletic, attractive, but very kind of stark expression. She's definitely not made up in any way, but her, you know, her, uh, her hair is back in braids. She definitely has the dress and accoutrement of someone who works with horse flesh. She is the groom of the inn. So when she enters in, stands behind the bar, kind of gives everyone a kind of look over and then looks over to her aunt. Um, she kind of looks at her for a minute as she's playing and then her eyes kind of roll up in her head. Auntie Helga, I think our friends have probably had enough of your music. Well, how rude. Uh, This is my niece, Gertrude. Uh, She uh, takes care of uh, the horses here. Now, unfortunately, Gertrude, our guests uh, do not uh, seem to be in need of your services as they came here unmounted. 
I still assume at some point they will be needing my other services. Perhaps we'll see how things go with Uncle Rolf. Very well. You see as Gertrude kind of looks eye to eye of all of you, just kind of taking a second to look. She is not subtle of sizing up. And Morple starts fidgeting around and blinks his eyes and is like, I think she did something to me. Probably not the place to talk about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Besides, she just got here. What could she have possibly done to you? (laughs) I think he means the other. Mm -hmm. Mm. Kiernan, I forgot to ask you about Rain. Was Rain with you? Um, I'm assuming he's with you. Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to leave him. Okay. Is Rain at your side? Probably now he's up in the room. Okay. I don't think I would take him because it seems kind of rude to take him to a meal. Lord Ironhammer wouldn't give a shit if you took the wolf to the meal. So. <laughs> well, also the wolf comes with you. Half of your job is the wolf. Exactly. So. Yeah. Rain yeah. actually went up the road and found a better hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's staying at the Red Roof. <laughs> yeah. Normally, he's chilling. that's the worst place, but the Red Roof is like hands above less creepy than this place. Except the ice machine is broken. Other than that, it's great. (laughs) There goes her sponsorship. (laughs) The, um, yeah, I think the class of this establishment could only be increased by a wolf in the corner gnawing on something. But yeah, I'm fine if you want to leave him in the room, but I I think you could, you'd be okay if he was in here. I don't think they'd, they don't have a leg to haggle on here. Uh, yes. Helga will is just, oh, Your lovely wolfhound is certainly free to come down to the tavern and and join you if you wish. I can put out the water bowl and perhaps some uh, some Uh, meat. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I would prefer to bring some up to the room. He's quite shy. Ah, I see. This uh, wolf is your companion, correct? Yes. Ah, Gertrude. Gertrude has a, a similar relationship with her horse. Really? Yes. And at this point, you can go ahead and give me an insight check. Oh, no, I, th- I don't think I'm going to like this for some reason. 16? Yeah, you notice a lot of things in this. There's definitely animosity between these people. Yes. However, once the subject of the animal companion is brought up, she softens ever so slightly in your direction. Okay. But, you know, very quickly goes back to her normal kind of suspicious, distrustful look. And it's just like, uh, yes, there are those of us who develop close relationships with animals. I've always found relationships with beasts preferable to others. <laughs> As have I. Well, I would I mean, we're much... sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> she just ignores you. <laughs> I would be pleased to meet your wolf if you uh, wish to introduce us and we can introduce you to Nightmare. Nightmare? I was just going to ask your horse's name. Yes, so... Uh, don't let the name sway you. No, no, I actually find it intriguing. She is formidable, but also uh, quite caring when she develops a bond. Hmm. She will serve no other master. However, yes, yes, well, um, it's so nice to see that your man is getting along with our groom. Gertrude, I was hoping um, that you could see to shoeing Rolf's horse. He will have to uh, make a trip soon, and he does like to have his horse freshly shod for the journey. Yes, of course, Auntie, I will get to that right away. And she stalks off 
back into the kitchen. She grabs two apples from a pile of fruit that's sitting on the bar. She will just take a huge bite into one and just kind of toss the other one up in the air with her other hand. And she gives a very, very quick look back at you, Kiernan, and then closes the door behind her. I'll give a little nod when she does so. Do not be confused, Keith. She does not make friends easily. And most men find her somewhat (laughs) disagreeable. What can you say? Some women were made to be women and some women were made to be other. Well, I suppose it is fortunate I am not like most men. Oh, well, yes, you are. You are a singular creature, I can tell. There is a a bit of something in your eye, isn't there? Perhaps uh, you will soothe our wild beasts soon enough, but uh, I must... Are you done working with my retinue? (laughs) I am terribly sorry. I just uh, making conversation, Lord Ironhammer. I do have work to attend to. I have to oversee the staff, make sure they are doing their jobs. And I believe Rolf will be uh, attending to you within the next few minutes. Hmm. Excellent. And she gets up and goes across the room to the door that she came down from. And uh, you are alone for a moment. Well, I'm sorry, you are not alone. You are alone, but for a goblin who is scrubbing the floor uh, on the opposite side, who you swear to God wasn't there like five seconds ago. (laughs) But then again, they could have been, who knows? This is the one that I believe is called Scrub. With a K. With a K. Yeah, all their their funny names are spelled wrong because it's funny. (laughs) I I can tell how amusing it is. Anyway, all right. So, uh, yeah. It's a good thing that they're so diligent about cleaning the place of the place. Otherwise, this place would give off a weird, creepy, dirty, nasty vibe where you wouldn't want to hang out in it. (laughs) I have made a point of saying, though creepy, the place is clean. Mm -hmm. It is clean. But everything else, creepy. So, to be honest, like, real purists would come here and say, I don't know, without the cobwebs, it's just not doing it for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does lose something. Mo, you got to keep the dank. What about the dank? (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so yeah you have a moment to yourselves so uh anyone else have bad dreams last night i have bad dreams Uh, every night but (laughs) of an unusual nature no no i was very tired it was wet and rainy and horrible yesterday well now hold on he's a mushroom man so he was actually quite comfortable in the dank wet um let me go back i'll take that back no, uh, no, as a matter of fact, I was quite tired from the journey, but boy, I have to tell you, uh, the weather here is great. <laughs> yeah. Dar, tell us uh, of your uh, dreams. Well, uh, I woke in the middle of the night to feel what could be described as a blotch of blood traveling across me and down between the floorboards. I'm, I'm sure it was just a dream, but it didn't feel like a dream at the time. But there's no evidence of any blood. That sounds quite strange. Yeah. And uh, there was a whispering that said not to trust them. As if you needed sure. whispering to tell you that. I'm not sure who them were. And who was telling you not to trust them? Mm. Like, did the blob of blood tell you not to trust someone? Because I don't know if we can take the word of a blob of blood. But Well, it was in my head, so it could have been anybody, I suppose. It could have just been, you know, you just rightly thinking we should not be trusting anyone. Yes, it could be <laughs> symbolic. And at that moment, 
your eyeline is swept over to a, a sight of this goblin who suddenly just jumps up to her feet and turns her head in your direction and looks almost like she's being held up on puppet strings. Did anybody else see that, Daymare? <laughs> Horrifying. Does she... Uh, she's still kind of doing that? Like, she's talking, but she's having trouble getting words out and just kind of hanging there and... Who are you? And then she just drops to the floor. I'll go check her out. Okay. Yeah, you you run over to her, and at first, like, she is just out. You know, you're able to uh, kind of get her back on her feet. And uh, once she kind of puts together what's going on and realizing that there's a, uh, a guest here that is helping her, she just immediately just kind of slinks back like she's just been slapped. Oh, I'm fine. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Please. Uh, 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 no, I, I'm fine. I, please. Uh, I, I must go back to my work. Please don't tell mistress I was sleeping. Of course not. I am so tired. You've done nothing wrong. And then you look up to the top of the stairs, which is in your eye line now, and you see Garl standing there, scowling down at this scene. All is well. Terribly sorry about this. I try to keep them in line. No, no, nothing. Yes. Well, perhaps if you treated your servants a little bit better and gave them the proper amount of rest, this kind of thing wouldn't happen. You are very wise, Lord Ironhammer. We will do well to take your advice. And he just bows and scrapes and then just kind of like scuttles backwards <laughs> into the darkness at the top of the stairs and out of sight. <laughs> And the scrub just kind of looks up at you and you're very kind. I wish there was more we could do. Perhaps there yeah. is. No, no, no. I, 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 I am fine. I am fine. We, we work. It's what we do. It's what we are made for. We are given a home when others would shun us. We work. It's what we do. We work. Yes. And then she starts smiling this like very, you know, pained smile and she's just goes back to scrubbing the floor and you can see her just like look 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 at the floor shine. i'm gonna slip her a couple uh, uh gold coins give me a sleight of hand and this is not like obviously you're not being witnessed by anyone but just to see if she notices you slip her that money i got an 18 okay okay you were able to kind of slip it into her apron without her noticing good and now the house elf is free <laughs> You gave Dobby a sock. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> oh, what have you done to the Malfoy household? <laughs> uh, mixed feelings, mixed feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, you guys. You just want to do good. You just want to do good. You just want to do good. So Scrub is feverishly now cleaning the floor. Uh, like she has never cleaned a floor before, but she is, uh, she seems uh, quite happy to do so. And uh, just uh, kind of leaves you there. I do good work. It's work. Work is what we do. We work. We work. We work. We work. We have to get these people out of here. Yeah. One thing at a time. I know. You think she knows what she just did? Um, no. Seems no. like. You think she was asleep? So, yeah, we got something else going on here. 
might explain um, Lord Ironhand's lack of restful sleep. You shouldn't be here. You need to get out and you shouldn't trust anyone are not exactly helpful pieces of advice. I mean, nobody should trust anyone and no one should stay here. But, you know, we we kind of knew that coming in. It's not like standard ghost story fare. No. No? Okay. I don't know. I thought I was feeling it. I mean, it's definitely not standard ghost story fare. Oh, okay. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> I think there's probably a, a very good chance there's, yeah. I, I don't think you're exactly wrong. I think we can quibble about whether it's standard or not. But I, th- I think your idea is... Is on the mark, but I am no expert in this area. But uh, yeah, let's finish our job and uh, retire with great riches to a dry, drier climate. Well, some of us to a drier climate, and some of us would probably like a a different. We won't have to talk much more once we. Yes, yeah, we need to hire those kobolds so we can yes. bust into that vault. Yeah. And at that point, the door opens to the office. That's Rolf came from before, and Rolf is standing there in the doorway. Lloyd Ironhammer and Mr. Flink, was it? Sir Flink, but yes. And I will move my jerkin or whatever so that, you know, the tunic with the badge of the uh, Order of the Broken Lance is visible. Okay. You definitely can clock a recognition. Okay. And a kind of game-recognized gamedness of it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just want him to know what kind of scumbag mercenaries he's dealing with <laughs> see and everybody was like we don't want people to know here a knight they'll think you're a good guy mm-hmm. yeah well come in uh we have much business to discuss my clients are very choosy about who they do business with i'm sure everything will be in order and the rest of you please enjoy our hospitality And that is where we will leave things for today. The first part of your ruse seems to have worked, but all is not well here at the Booms End Inn. Uh, Will you be drawn into a domestic battle, or will you be uh, sucked in by some kind of weird ghost story, or will you just bullshit these people and get out here as fast as you can? We will find out in two weeks. Thank you again for listening, and... uh, Bye. 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 Get your bets down now, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our Apprentice Architect Patreons, Jillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell, and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.